Good morning. Uh, this is Mike Roush, your host once again for Under the Covers, the program for media junkies where we try to look back over the big stories of the last week. Not so much at the stories themselves, with more focus on how the media played those stories. Joining me this week, I've got Nick Edwards, the business editor of the South China Morning Post, old friend, and uh, someone I haven't met before, I've just been introduced to, Grace Leung, who's a lecturer at the School of Journalism and Communication at the Chinese University. So welcome, Nick. Welcome, Thank Grace. Um, we're going to go, I think the biggest story of the week was obviously the markets, um, the various attempts in the mainland uh, to prop up the market, having spent the last nine months stoking it up, um, and then seeing it collapse. Nick, business story, big business story. You, I think you said at one point it was the only story of the week. What, what do you got? Well, it was the only story of the week uh, in many respects for for us and, and globally. I, one of the one of the interesting things, of course, is as we started the week, um, as we ended last week and, and into the weekend, it was the feeling that Greece was going to dominate. Yet, by the time we got through uh, through Monday morning, uh, it was clear that that China and the China stock market fall was was really capturing headlines around the world and beginning to and beginning to move markets. That was certainly the case by Tuesday. Right now. One of the things about this is it, that it's had a huge run-up, hasn't it, the Shanghai Index from, from about the middle of last year. Massive. And the, the sort of P-E ratios are nonsensical now. They're in three figures. Well, there's no uh, – there are very, very few uh, analysts out there who are uh, really trying to give you a, um, a cohesive and coherent story around Chinese stocks based on uh, traditional valuation metrics. If they are, you should – think again about who it is that you're talking to because, uh, frankly, they, they don't stack up in, in many instances. Uh, this was about momentum. It was about a series of reforms and it was about margin trading. So really, probably the only thing that you should have been looking at as a guide to what was likely to happen with the market was where margin finance was. Mm. Grace, what did you think of the media coverage of the, of the market turmoil, for want of a better word? Actually, things happen so quickly that uh, it's quite difficult for ordinary citizens to make sense of it. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm also an investor, but I had no, I done, I had done nothing about um, cutting laws or anything because uh, the things are just um, uh, in April you see it uh, going up so quickly, but suddenly within two months' time, then the market drops so uh, drastically. So. Um, I think um, actually we we still need to make sense of it. What what ha happened actually in China, and and there's a lot of speculation in uh, in ordinary people, and especially on on the web uh, on in China, <laughs> saying that uh, the the Western people or the fund uh, the, those funding company they try to draw money or maybe they try to attack uh, China's market. But I think uh, China should have. Is responsibility in um, uh, because they 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 didn't done it. Uh, maybe uh, the market is not really mature enough uh, to launch. Well, it's it's been up by well over a hundred percent, and now it's gone down maybe thirty or forty percent. But. That's still a huge net gain if you were in at the beginning, isn't it? Absolutely. And this is one of the key things about investing. It's when do you want your money back? Um, so it's easy to look at, a, at what appears to be a paper loss and be horrified by it. By it. But if you, were, if you were a buyer at the start of the year, you're still done okay out of, uh, mm. out of, out of Shenzhen particularly, uh, maybe not so well out of, out of Shanghai. But if you were in right at the very beginning, sort of like the middle or third quarter of last year, mm. then you'll have done very well indeed. But we're talking about phenomenal numbers here. 
Two right. and a half, three trillion US dollars wiped out in a matter of weeks. It's incredible. Mm. But and the problem is who, who gained the money gained. and who lost. Yes. But uh, maybe most of the lo- losers are the small investor. And yes. though only the big company, maybe they can make some gain. And then there's another, another issue is about how would Hong Kong integrate with the mainland if uh, without any transparency and also we, we can't. there's so I, many policies. I think that's behind. one of the aspects that's coming out, isn't it? That that we have a basically a free and open market where you can buy and sell. Anyway, one of the reasons Hong Kong shares suffered was because they could be sold, whereas so many of the mainland shares, there was a freeze on selling. Yeah, I mean, if half of the stock market is suddenly not available for you to do anything with uh, and you've got to sell something because you're an international fund manager and as an international fund manager, you've probably taken most of your exposure through Hong Kong anyway to the mainland, uh, you've got no choice but to sell Hong Kong, whether or not you wanted to. But our PE ratios are now in single digits on average. (laughs) That's actually good value, isn't it? Well, that's what a lot of analysts are saying today, and of course that um, in part explains why the uh, why the rally was so strong on uh, on on uh, mm-hmm. on Wednesday. I mean, you mm-hmm. you know you get a thousand point pickup, um, and it's uh, it's a sorry on Thursday, and you, you get a thousand point pickup on Thursday, mm-hmm. uh, and it looks dramatic. But you've got to think about where that where that volume was concentrated. But, the, but they couldn't resist the, some of the mainland commentators talking about oh, it's all the fault of the wicked foreigners. Um, and the, I see the head of the police has been round to some yeah. of the brokers, brokers to see who's been going short. So, yeah. <laughs> well, the, the great thing about a crisis like this uh, is that you, you know, you couldn't make it up. It's brilliant, isn't it? I mean, yeah. for a, uh, f- if you are a journalist and you're tracking tick by tick movements and and every rumor and every piece of gossip that there is going around, this has been a great story all week long. Um, does it show actually the underlying strength of Hong Kong, the fundamentals, and why we're still different from? the rest of china oh absolutely in terms of the way in, in terms of the way the market operated yeah quite clearly um you know there's an awful lot of conversation happening in financial markets amongst the people that i talk to that really says this this shows that just how far uh, the mainland has to go to create this market mechanism that xi jinping and uh, and li Keqiang have been talking about they've they've got an awful awful long way to go and also about the transparency of information. Hong Kong is basically have press freedom, and then we know everything about the trading matters and also about the uh, go ups and downs about the market. But in China, people said that um, my husband went to Beijing for uh, business in the past week, and then he said he knew nothing about how the market go, uh, goes up. Uh, uh. So he said it's very peaceful in the city. Uh, actually, nothing, nobody will talk about it except those trading people. So with those who are not in the market, they know nothing about um, from TV or from newspaper because they don't say anything about the market. So this is quite horrible in the sense that you yes. can see those uh, uh, peace actually are very fragile. Uh, at some point, maybe for those losers, maybe they they are very angry with the government. Uh, they, they maybe they find that the government had no ability in controlling all the market and making them uh, lose money. Yeah, well, that's the nature of a, f- a free economy, isn't it? Yeah. That the government. It's been shown that the governments can't control. Um, it doesn't matter what levers they have, and and uh, I don't suppose sending the commissioner of police round to the brokers is. Uh, calming anyone's nerves. How about the media? Have the media here been, well, free, of course, to, to say all these things and to, to comment on them? Of course. Uh, I mean, that, that's that's certainly been the 
uh, been the case where you've you've seen every little development and you've been able to report it. Mm. Um, you you know, having worked in in the mainland myself, having worked in Beijing before. Um, you'd be able to, you'd be reporting it. Of course, I was working for for an international right. news organisation like Reuters. Of course, you'd be able to report it, um, but you'd be reporting it for the outside rather than for consumption inside China. Oh well, well. So a a big big story here and around the world, but uh, effectively a non-story in the mainland because the d- government decided it wasn't interesting yeah. or it didn't didn't show them off in a very good light. <laughs> okay, well, that's uh. That's one. Of course, the other big story, Nick, and I'm afraid it's your your area again. So your typecast here was uh, was Greece, uh, which seems to have been on the uh, front page or, or almost the front page almost every day for months now. Is this the is this the final crisis? Well, of course, it, it's great. Every time Greece comes to another deadline, it is the final crisis. And this is wearing somewhat thin for me. I mean, I was, I was European economics editor for Reuters when this crisis started uh, back in 2007, 2008. Um, <laughs> so I was reporting <laughs> week in and week out on the, on the Greek crisis and the, and the month in and month out as we were in, uh, in Brussels to try and figure out from finance ministers what was going on. The conversations remain, remain and seem very, very similar all these years on. I mean, you, you know, the first, the first First real package for Greece, 2010, five years on, they're going to need yet another bailout package. It's another 50-odd billion. But, but they don't seem to have done any serious reform of the structure of the economy. Well, this is the thing, of course, that creditors complain about. And, and that, was, that was the problem with year one. The first bailout package that came from the IMF back in the day, uh, when it failed after 12 months, uh, the... Financial partners of Greece in the European Union and the Eurozone were absolutely stunned, stunned flummoxed. They didn't realise that it, it wasn't going to work at all because there'd been no substantial reform. And that's pretty much been the case ever since. Of course, from the Greek perspective, the argument is that, well, we've suffered austerity for five years. We've suffered a shrinking economy for five years. A lot of the Eurozone has got itself back together. You're being unfair to us and we need an opportunity. We need a, we need a reform package that is pro-growth. Uh, not simply all about austerity. Mm. But Correct. if um, yeah. Greece, Greece cannot make it from five years to now, how can it possible to make it in another <laughs> two years or another plan? Quite, yeah. Debt sustainability is the real thing. So what is your ability to pay back your debt? Um, how fast can you grow your economy to do that? And the argument from Greece quite clearly is that we can't grow our economy quickly enough to, to do that. Of course... Can they adjust those package? or lower those hostility? Well, this is the thing, right? So you've got to... The, the people who are left holding the debt in Greece um, are essentially uh, other Eurozone governments and the European Central Bank. Because um, the banks got out uh, the last time, didn't they? Absolutely. So, yeah, there's been a big transfer of, uh, of, of the debt problem around Greece from the private sector to the state sector and to the central banks. And now they don't want to be taking the hit for it because they can't go to their taxpayers and say, sorry, we're on the hook for all of that, or rather, you're on the hook for all of that. Uh, that have, is the big stuff. Right. Have the point. media been playing it well? Have they gone into? Have they brought out these nuances? Well, it depends where you are. I was talking to some German friends of mine this week in town, um, and they were saying from the, from the perspective of looking at it as Germans in the German media, very, very simplistic. Um, and they're quite um, they're quite stunned by how uh, and surprised by how um, how little depth there is in coverage from Germany of really what some of the fundamental issues are here. 
But we seem to have picked it up quite a lot, even but, even people who are not I, in the market. I think in the local media, the Chinese media did not pick it uh, so extensively because mm. maybe there's stock market problem in uh, Hong Kong or in this area. But uh, since uh, the, I think the situation in Greece is uh, so serious that it may uh, led to a overall collapse in the U- European economy. So uh, suppose I think uh, the Chinese media should pay more attention on the whole issue because uh, the situation can be come worse. Well, yeah, and it and it does come back to here. I mean, the, so the big risk for the big risk for Europe is not so much the the impact that it would have on economic growth because growth, Greece is such a small part of the European Union and of the Eurozone. It's more to do about what it says with about the, the long-term stability uh, and, the, and the cohesiveness of the euro and the single currency. Now, that's a real issue for everybody around the world because so many of the world's central banks hold an awful lot of European assets in the form of Eurozone government bonds and um, straightforward euro deposits. That's going to be a big problem for mainland China, uh, the estimation yeah, yeah, of how also, much. Yeah, yeah. Also the so it holds euros. Um, the other thing that's interesting, of course, in Greece is that it also holds a very large stake in uh, Piraeus port. And that is at the one of the Mediterranean ends of the new Silk Road. And wasn't that uh, the Chinese bid sort of, uh, reversed, in a sense? One of the things that this the government in Greece did after the election was renege on some of the privatization deals. So this is why China's got skin in the game because there is meant to be a privatization, there is meant to be an IPO of that uh, of that port and China's meant to get greater control over it. If that's delayed because the because the, the government as it stands at the moment does not want to do the structural um, reforms and doesn't want to undertake the privatizations, China maybe has to has to rethink. It's in its interest for, for Greece to push ahead with a reform program and for the euro to stay uh, for, to stay a viable currency. Can you, you let the state help in this matter? Well, I mean, they're evidently um, urging everybody to do so. I mean, what's incredible is that we're, we're back to the same kind of commentary that we had two or three years ago, which was that we're confident that Greece will do what is necessary and behave sensibly and, and get the reforms done. Um, but looking at, at past evidence, as you were saying earlier on, Grace, uh, <laughs> there's little hope that that may actually turn when out you, to be you, the case. When you see the prime minister and the finance minister campaigning for the population to reject uh, the the deal that had been on the table but was removed um, and the media have been covering that extensively I mm. mean you, you couldn't watch a news program bulletin in the last yeah. uh, few weeks without seeing that um, I'm not sure I'd trust them with the, with the contents of my wallet let alone serious money <laughs> well you know the the question for the Greeks is whether or not they thought they were going to get a, a better bargaining position out of all of this. Um, so if you reject it and say, no, we don't accept those terms, but we are prepared to negotiate other for terms. For another round, yeah. yeah. Then, yeah. then The deadline is this Sunday. Exactly, yeah. So there, uh, you know, the, the outline proposals were there. But, of course, one of the real worries is that earlier on this week, when the Greek Prime Minister attended the European Parliament – and we're supposed to go with a, a raft of, of proposals. You know, we turned mm. up with nothing, turned up empty-handed. Um, and that's probably not a great place to start. Well, of course, a lot of bank customers are turning up empty-handed now too in Greece. And I saw one little quirk in the papers that they're running short of 20 euro notes because um, you want three of those to get your maximum 60 euro yeah. <laughs> withdrawal. So they're now having to settle for 50 because they have got lots of 50 euro notes still 
still available. So you can't even get the full 60 now. You've got to, you've got to settle for less. Well, ah. But what is worrying is uh, if uh, lots of uh, young people uh, who are between 18 to 20-something, they cannot find a job mm. because uh, there are 50, 55% of uh, unemployment rate among that age group. Right. So the society can be very uh, unstable. Will they move maybe to other European countries where there is employment? Well, they, they could do. Which they can do under the... Free movement, completely free to do that. Um, but social stability is a is a real issue here, um, mm. and there is a there's a there's a great big under and perhaps never to be employed youth, uh, young generation uh, in a lot of the peripheral countries. And this is a, this is a terrible mm. social issue for Europe to have to deal with. Right. Well, I think the media get quite a high mark for their coverage of these first two um, because we do seem to know quite a lot about the subjects, uh, even people who are not in a financial game like you are. So for something completely different, we'll maybe have a look at what we thought was quite a strange story this week. Two related stories. One was a number of secondary school teachers seem uh, destined to get the chop because of falling enrolments. Um, secondary school. Classes are going to be closing. They're not needed because of the flow through of uh, very limited numbers from primary six. Coupled with attempts by some schools to actually recruit uh, students from the mainland. Uh, and and that, how much coverage has that story had? Grace? Uh, it appears only at one day, I, I, I think. There are very little follow up after that. Um, I suppose uh, maybe that is not the majority people's uh, interest, or maybe mm. uh, still there are some people they are not so um, welcome. Those uh, people, students from the mainland. So maybe uh, this is uh, the reality for the education sector. But for the parents and also for the general public, they may not really want this happen. So so far. But but that, yeah, I think you put your finger on it. This is quite a big this is another chapter in an ongoing big story about the relationship between hong kong and the mainland where, where there are too many tourists are they buying all the, uh, the luxury properties are the developers only building to sell some wealthy mainlanders not for ordinary hong kong people uh, etc the parallel traders etc 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 can't get milk powder so th- this is another chapter in a very big story where People have been saying well, there's too many mainlanders now. Now, now, in fact, they're playing the other way. Oh, tourism's in trouble because we're not getting enough mainlanders, and our schools are in trouble. <laughs> so, we, who do we look to to help? Oh, here comes the Seventh Cavalry uh, on the train. Well, it's the question of, of leadership uh, and vision and long-term strategy about this is something that I hear a lot of from from businesses all the time. Mm. Whether you're talking about education policy and the kinds of uh, skills uh, and education that kids that kids come out of of the Hong Kong system with ready for an internationally competitive marketplace, um, or whether we're talking about a strategy for something beyond financial services. So, uh, tourism, of course, um, and retail being being key to that, and the mainland in particular being a the absolutely crucial component of driving those two things. Um, if if Hong Kong doesn't get those those right. Um, you hear it a lot from business all the time. Uh, this is something where Hong Kong will fail and their businesses will start to suffer as a result. Um, so they're looking for leadership and they're looking for vision. Mm. But there was uh, 
another angle, isn't there, here, that at one time people were talking about Hong Kong being an education hub. That was when the word hub was sort of all the rage. We were going to be a hub for this and a hub for that. So uh, actually attracting uh, students um, is is in line with that. Yeah, um, I understand. But um, actually, but uh, the infrastructure of uh, those uh, public schools should have some change if they want to accommodate students from the mainland. Uh, because um, uh, in our university, we had to provide accommodation for those students who came from the mainland. But for century school, uh, most of them, they did not have that kind of uh, accommodation dormitory for accommodating students from outside um, uh, the territory. Mm. And another problem is about the integration between the two different background students, uh, two cohorts, if they stay together. So uh, how could they um, interact? And also, if they are with a different standard, in terms of uh, English standard and also about their um, maybe the mainlander are better in their mathematics but in Hong Kong maybe they are not so uh, good at that uh, subject so how could uh, a teacher manage the diversity in their standard mm. and use Pudonghua to uh, speak yeah, to yeah, the advanced students <laughs> and Cantonese to speak to the ones who are not so and good and I understand in many international schools and also those uh, students semi-private uh, secondary school, they had already recruited a lot of students from the mainland mm. because for those who can pay money, they can have direct access to those. But the problem is about the public school. So if the public school accept a lot of uh, mainland students, uh, those uh, taxpayers will complain about this. How can you use public money to subsidize those mm. people who come from the mainland instead of educating our own uh, students? So uh, maybe for the teacher's consideration, they may prefer to lower the class size for example, if we mm. don't have so so many supply in students in local, maybe we can cut down the class size so that we, we can provide more right. quality education. Well, so that's another argument. The other aspect of education that came through this week was the outstanding results Hong Kong students got in IB. Yeah, um, those are those, but those are all from the international school. <laughs> well, no, one or two of them were, seem to be uh, local schools as well, but uh, maybe English medium. Yeah, 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 English medium, yeah. Maybe those are brand, uh, traditional brand school. <laughs> yeah, so, but there was pictures of smiling kids. We got several with the maximum of 45 and so, yeah. and lots of 44s and 40s. It's a great show for Hong Kong. I mean, if, if you, if you apply yourself, it really does show that Hong Kong, um, the Hong Kong education system and the, and the kids that come through it, whichever part of it that you're in, you compete with the best in the world. Um, and this really does have to be at the at, for a lot of the, the people that I that I talk to when they when they're considering do they relocate to Hong Kong they not relocate to Hong Kong what kind of people are they getting they want people who can consistently compete with the best in the world um, and they don't necessarily believe that the system as it stands at the moment delivers that except some of the some of the schools do yeah, but, uh, the but generality it can maybe be very it can be very polarized yes. for mm. the local student and those are competitive student I agree oh. with it. Mm. All right, and of course, right at the tail end of the week, we had the uh, the, the typhoon that never was <laughs> drifting in. I must admit, I walked down uh, to took and took the MTR to Central, just as the number eight went up, and got to everyone was rushing around like yeah. like mad to, to get home, but there was nothing. No, the wind was stronger when I went home and switched on the fan. I mean, it was uh, <laughs> there was absolutely nothing. But the wind is very strong in Saigon area. Oh. Maybe in part, some part of Hong Kong, but not the whole territory. Right. But what, what line did the media take with this one? 
Oh, well, of course, you know, we, um, we reverted to uh, what we normally do when there's a tropical cyclone uh, rushing through. We did our live weather blog. That's the kind of thing that really, that really uh, gets attraction and, and coverage. So we, uh, we ran one of those from the, uh, from the start when T3 was, uh, was up. Okay, mm. right, it's going to be T8. Let's make sure that we've got coverage. But, of course, it, you know, it really fell flat and blew out pretty quickly. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, even the Chinese are some in some Chinese media. They really do those live broadcasts for the newspaper. Right. So that become a big incident to many Hong Kong people. But then we could do what we what we do best. We blame the government. <laughs> <laughs> the wind didn't blow. The rain didn't rain. It must be the government's fault. Okay. Well, that's that's a that's a good line to wrap up on a government radio station, isn't it? Um, my thanks to Nick and Grace. Uh, for joining me this week. Um, I'm not sure. I think the program continues, but I don't as host. I'm off on holiday uh, for a couple of weeks. So if I'm uh, if I'm lucky and very sweet to the producer, maybe I'll be back uh, in, in the show in August. Okay. Thank you all very much. Thank you. Thank you.